Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, do we do we know where Ronald is right now? He's uh he's out there making moves, doing his like two days at home, you know, five days on the road kind of normal thing. So Yeah. Um, from from a little bit of Twitter stalking, he he hasn't given up his location this time. Mm. I think it's a harbor network retreat. Mm. Uh but then again, that's just sort of one of those like it's that versus the field because that's always in it's always <laughs> in running field, as, as exactly. a betting man. Yeah, DraftKings has Harbor Network at like plus twelve hundred this week, so you know we'll we'll bet. Um, now, does his Yoda work? We see an uptick in the Yoda work when he whenever he does a Harbor thing, right? Because their stuff tends to be more kind of touchy feely, contemplative. Um, do we see the Yoda work spike or like take a backseat when he's traveling? No, Yoda, his Yoda work actually declines when he's traveling mm-hmm. because, you know, he's happier. that that's, that's when, you know, visioneering happens oh, oh, yeah. and stuff like that yeah. to create a word or rather rip off a, a faux word. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's when he, it's when he has his, his contemplative quiet Ohio mornings that we get. <laughs> That we get Lots the best of, of, work. of Ronald's Ronald's Yoda tweets, yeah. Dude, I have a question about visioneering, and it actually dovetails with the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is kind of age stuff in general in ministry. Is there a, like an age ceiling on visioneering? Because I feel like Ronald's every bit of fifty. He's still kind of like I feel like he's picking up steam as a visioneering kind of guy. Um, and it's it's interesting to me that like we're going to be talking about a, a ministry age ceiling for ourselves, but I feel like you can be sort of the gray bearded, old kind of mystic and kind of keep the keep your visioneering legs where people are throwing you a thousand bucks here and there to come in and like write on a piece of glass and inspire them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it. I think it changes shape pretty dramatically. Okay. You know the like the the perfect age for like. The the high energy visioneering guy is like mid thirties. Yeah, I was gonna say thirty five to thirty eight. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe into early forties. So like I'm probably in the age sweet spot for that, yeah. or like at the tail end of that. Yeah, but uh, but that's where like you have enough experience under your belt that you can be like, here are the seven basic principles of building an enormous ministry or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also you know young enough that you're. You're energetic. You're cool. You know, you're you're still perceived you're as like having some upside, you know, yeah. which I think is important in the visioneering game. Unless yes. you're like, you know, the sage kind of uh, kind of old guy that like floats from room to room dispensing wisdom that's really kind of crap, but that sounds deep. You know, see, I think I think Ronnie's actually moving into. Yeah, it's a different phase, which is more like the you get the young, energetic visioneering guy. Yeah. He kind of sits off to the side, nodding knowingly and then gets up and he's like, actually, guys. Yeah, yeah. Here's what it really comes down to. And then brings it back down to like the foundational stuff. Right. And, you know, he talks more about you know, your, your personal spiritual life and your, um, your integrity and your marriage than like all of your strategies. Yeah. So I think, I think he's, I think he's becoming that guy, which to be, to be clear, that's a really good arc. We yeah. should move out of visioneering and more into integrity and the faster guys do that, the better. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting, man. Always, always interesting to watch the boy and see what kind of moves he's, he's out there trying to make. But, um, Piper, we're, yeah, I think, I think he's fully adopted the, 
um, like leaning into the shepherd as opposed to the CEO. Yeah. Strong, strong shepherding vibes. Yeah. Uh, definitely away from the, the, the CEO growth vibes. Yeah. Now does like mystic shepherd kind of vague fortune cookie wisdom guy, does that have an upside in publishing? Like, are those books coming out? Um, is there a buck to be made by him in this? Um, publishing man where where is the money to be made in publishing right now Great i don't question. think anybody knows that yeah. especially in the church world because yeah. i think right now the money to be made in publishing is in the church world is dealing with perceived threats if you're one of those uber defensive guys sure. you know yeah. we're going to hedge the gospel and keep out all of these yeah. nonsense threats you know the aggressive against all things perceived as 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 progressive stuff yeah or it's writing on deconstruction. Oh, sure. You know, your story of it uh-huh. or how to help people responding to it. But the timestamp on those things, I think, is pretty limited. Yeah. You know, like there's 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 a cycle of this. There's yeah. always been yeah. perceived threats and then there's been conservative overreactions and yeah. so forth. So, but like thoughtful, nuanced books uh-huh. have never sold well. And unless it's one of those that God's like, actually this one, yeah. you know, and then you get, then you get, you know, long obedience in the same direction sure. by Eugene Peterson or, you know, Dallas Willard stuff or something. Right. But those are rare. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That's, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, maybe the small town pastor thing will be the, you know, the, the, the jackpot for him, but, uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, Piper, we're making moves, yeah, I just, moves of our own. As I just think, yeah, I guess big, big, big picture regarding the publishing. Yeah, yeah. Back to that real quick. Yeah, yeah. I think there isn't a publishing industry the same way there once was. There isn't from a like, you can measure the statistics, yeah. but it used to be that all the publishers were aware of what every other publisher was doing. And you sort of looked at it and you're like, Ooh, that's the yeah. big release from Thomas Nelson, from right. you know, Harper Collins. And now it's just like, there's just sort of books being spat out yes. every seven seconds. Yeah. And the, if they catch fire, they tend to catch fire for like a minute. Yeah. So like the two big books from, well, I guess that was 2020. I don't think there were any big books in 2021 that yeah. stand out to me were the Carl Truman book. Yep. Uh, yep. I forget the name of it. Yeah. It's just something about the self. Yeah. Um, the rise and triumph and then, of and the modern self. Gentle and lowly. Yeah. Gentle and Lowly is that sort of contemplative book with a strong theological twist. Dude, yes. Yeah. And and then and then Carl Truman is sort of the best version of a defensive book where it's not reactive and right. I'm going to hold the party line but rather kind of a just kind of factual this is where we're going. Well, yeah, and yeah. They, yeah, kind of an analysis, mm-hmm. a biblical analysis, and then what what used to be called in publishing circles, this was a popular phrase in copywriting, a clarion call. Yeah, you know, oh, sort yeah. of the yeah, yeah, yeah. the heralding of a new era kind of thing. Yeah, but I don't like what what books this last year were on everybody's list. Yeah, that's the thing, and the thing about a clarion call is you can't have it happening every twenty minutes. Then it ceases right. to be a clarion call, but everybody wants it to be in publishing. Yeah, I think the other publishing trend that's gone away, pipe. And this has happened in the lifespan of like our careers even is that every publisher is trying to bring on their version of fill in the blank. Like there used to be a paradigm of like a certain kind of guy like, oh, you know, Moody's trying to find it's Donald Miller or whatever. And that's how you would get your foot in the door. But I don't think that's true anymore. You know, 
Um, you're right. It's yeah, just not- sort of the scattershot, like we're going to throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, it's it's a weird in between time because yeah, when I worked in publishing, so it's been a, it's been a few years since I was in publishing now. But even you know, so six seven years ago now, mm-hmm. you were still getting the same comparisons you were ten, twelve, fifteen years ago. Yeah, there was comparisons to Tim Keller, there was comparisons to Donald Miller. There yeah. was everybody wanted you know we'd kind of moved past Rick Warren. Rick yeah. Warren was a little passe, yeah. which is ironic because he's one of those guys who has sort of faithfully done his thing yeah. and hasn't <laughs> he hasn't blown up his own life. That is true. Um, yeah. Good point. And and so but the, yeah, there's I don't know who that would be now. I think in certain in certain parts mm-hmm. of the industry there would people would be like the next Rachel Hollis or sure. yeah. whatever. But that's that almost occupies you know, a different space, you know. Yeah, um, like we we still have sort of the they, they were sort of the godfathers. Now they're like the grandparents, yeah, of publishing people in their sixties and their seventies. Not a lot in between that were like emulate this, dude. Let me ask you this: this is it. just kind of conceptually on this topic, and because you, I feel like you interface with more guys who are like thirty two years old and doing their first book. I don't. Is it still special to do a book? Like, are people still getting excited? Is it still seen as like a a bit of validation from, you know, the universe that you that you're talented or you have something good to say? Like, is it still a big deal for like a 32 year old guy to get a book deal? It is in their own minds. What they don't realize is that it's not to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 10, 10, 12, 15 years ago, being a published author yeah had some had some cachet to it not yeah. cachiche but <laughs> yeah, just yeah. cachet definitely and and now i think there are so many avenues and so many publishers trying stuff that publishing a book is like it's you should have a great sense of it's like it's like a little bit like running a half marathon right like that's a that's a, an impressive accomplishment and nobody cares yeah that's true that's that's what publishing a book is now. Yeah. Um, that is maybe the perfect analogy, actually. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, that's funny. Or it's or it's like getting a or it's like getting your bachelor's degree in a sense where it's like yeah. it's a necessary credential in people's minds. Yeah. But honestly, there are a thousand routes to success without it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're a 35 year old pastor of a certain type, you almost feel like you need a book deal or a book just to kind of say that you have it, but it's, it's not really getting you anywhere unless it's one of these lightning in a bottle um, once every decade sort of books that people jump onto. Um, But chances are, if you're 35, you're not writing that book, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, and it, it it should cause those of us who write a lot. I know you, I mean, you've written more than certainly more than I have probably more than Ronnie and I combined and you've kind of stepped away from it. Yeah. Or at least slowed down. you know, at least cranking out the Christian books, you've yeah. kind of moved into what what are passion projects, what are things you're excited right, about. Right. But there is an element of sort of looking at it and going, "What am I offering?" Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly. I'm I'm about to I'm about to really dig in on a book that I think it matters. Yeah, but it's just part of the noise in another sense. True. You know, it's a book on yeah. finding belo- What does it mean to belong to a church? Right. Well, shoot. Now of all times, that really matters because people are bailing on the church. Right. The church, right. by and large, has not done an awesome job. Yeah. At at making a home for people, but also why me and not a you know four hundred other people who could who could write this book? Yeah. Those are the kind of questions you just kind of go. Well. Yeah. 
it's it, no, I get it because I was asked. Yeah, you know? because I was because asked. I something because I, to say. Yeah, because I can. No, it's it's a great question, and it. I feel like we talk about this in some form or fashion, kind of all the time. So we should probably move on from it. But but yeah, it speaks to something more fundamental about the psyche, which is. Am I doing this just because somebody asked and because it makes my ego feel good for a minute? Or do I actually have something to say? When in fact, I don't know, Martin Lloyd-Jones probably wrote some article 70 years ago about what it means to be a church member that probably says it all better than you can. But like, um, you I will know. say this for young authors. Yeah. And it, it, there needs to be a strong sense of self-evaluation. Yeah. You need to have the the ability to go... I'm not the guy to write that. Mm-hmm. I have turned down things that publishers have asked. And been sure. Like, That's yeah. ask somebody else. Yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the reality of books are books are on a cycle. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything C.S. Lewis wrote is better than everything I've ever written. Sure. But also you can't put C.S. Lewis in everybody's hands who is 24 and considering leaving the church. Yeah, that's right. Who is who is a 34 year old mother of two who's just who has been yeah. beaten up by previous churches and is kind of wondering yeah. is this all worth it like the the newness isn't doesn't make things more true but it might th- make things more accessible yeah no so, I, I agree and i think that's where that. that's where your sk- your skill set will really like you know carry the day in a book like that hopefully because you can see the I hope so yeah you can see the landscape for what it is you're not going to totally capitulate right you're not going to be like you know yeah you you do you live your truth you know it's not going to be that kind of book <laughs> but it's it's also not going to be like a you know super jagged you know my way or the highway kind of book but but hopefully hit the right notes in between um no you're 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 absolutely right so let's let's talk about Getting older in ministry pipe because you texted a fascinating thing this morning where you and I both uh, were recently on the road speaking to different kinds of groups of young people. And you had an experience at a Christian camp, like a high school group. And yeah, so it was was like a few different churches who were together for like a youth retreat over a weekend. There you go. And I had one, it was kind of the third speaking gig that I did on the last leg of this little tour through the upper Midwest. And I was at a Christian high school, and I think we had similar experiences with our audiences. So um, flesh that out a little bit. I'll flesh mine out, and then we'll ask some questions about our ceiling and whether or not we've reached it. Yeah, so so my experience, it was a, it was a, it was a great great group in terms of the the spirit of it the leaders were great they were there I mean it was it was a really kind of intentionally put together thing so not sort of I wasn't invited into anything weird or something I'm going to roll my eyes at yeah what the the dawning of like boy I don't know if I belong here came not during the speaking times okay but during like the, the all of the recreation time. So the weather was really crappy. It was super rainy. So we did kind of all that stuff inside. Mm-hmm. I When I go speak places, I have a really hard time like speaking and then just disappearing. I kind of like to be part of the group yeah, for or sure. at least be around the group. It feels kind because, of like what they're paying you for to a certain degree, you know? Well, and just I, – I, I don't want to just be a voice, yeah. some random dude, but also available if they have questions. Yeah. It, once you 
building familiarity, building any sort of relational connection helps you listen to somebody in a speaking context. Okay. I like this person, so yeah. I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. So, you know, I'm around and they, so they, they did a bunch of like trivia games and stuff yeah. like that, you know, where it's kind of putting questions up on the screen and everybody writes down their answer, kind of like bar trivia, but yeah. for high schoolers and, and without any of the libations. Sure. And and what I realized was, so they did they did them based on kind of different themes or different eras, and they did one. It was just twenty twenty one trivia, <laughs> which like and so it's question. Yeah, to some degree, why would you do that? Because well, here's the yeah. So it's it was really interesting because like they did like a nineteen eighties trivia, and yeah. I did pretty well at that. Yeah, um, I won that one. Yeah, and you know some some stuff like that and then they did the 2021 trivia and it was like half and half there were half the questions that i was like i have no idea i'm completely blank on this yeah. and it was questions like what was the number one streamed song on spotify oh wow and bonus points if you can name the artist yeah um what was who was the number one YouTuber by streams? Oh man, yeah, I would have gotten. I couldn't name a single YouTuber. Exactly. I was like, I, I don't even have a guess. Right. These are ones like it's like showing up to a test and being like, I, I, I read the wrong book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah. And so, you know, things about popular memes and stuff like that, and that was interesting because they're like, what meme blew up in January of 2021? And I'm like, January of 2021 was 14 and a half years ago. Dude, yeah. I don't have any idea what meme popped then. That's so it was crazy. The Bur- but, it was the Bernie right. Sanders mittens, mittens one, which I now yeah. recall existed. But kids are conversant in that kind of thing in a way that we're not. Um, so my experience was a little bit different in that, and, and depending on the context of the audience, like audience members are different. So this was at like a, a fairly decent sized basically secular Christian high school. You know what I mean? Like the kind of Christian high school where you send your kids if you don't want them at a public school, but it doesn't really say anything about your faith or your interest in Christ or whatever. And the guy that booked me... Also allows them to recruit for their sports teams. Yeah. the, the, The guy that booked me was like 33, huge Happy Rant fan, super cool guy, like exceedingly fun to talk to. Like the kind of guy that if we lived in the same metro area, we'd be hanging out every couple weeks. You know, like he could be a friend in real life kind of a dude. So really enjoyed him, really enjoyed that interaction. But like for me, I think I gave I gave three talks and then I did a Q&A. The Q&A was the most vibrant. But the talks, dude, I would be – and I don't consider myself a pulpiteer. Like I'm not an amazing – public speaker or preacher or whatever by any stretch, but I think I'm decent and I think I'm good at storytelling, but Mm -hmm. I would be telling these stories. And sometimes the stories were about like interfacing with Michael Jordan back when I was writing or Mike Tyson. And these are names that like don't necessarily mean anything to a youth audience, but they're at least like (laughs) cultural touch points enough. And like, dude, looking out into the audience, there were bros like kind of typical broy high school dudes just sleeping just straight up like sawing logs and at the at the time to, to give you some to give you a little bit of credit yeah. here, though or like to let you off the hook yeah chapel is required in those schools sure. i don't know if you ever went to a christian school going to a required chapel just hands down stinks oh sure yeah i mean i would have slept through it and it, like you would you would have had to have been like Chris Rock to get me to open one eye and be like, 
I would have had to have been the actual Michael Jordan to get them to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here's a, here's a celebrity that you've seen, like, you know, on television or whatever. And yeah, they're just not, they're not getting off the couch to hear some guy who wrote like a handful of Christian books that were popular 12 years ago, you know, I mean, um, so I have a very like real sense of where I fit in those contexts, but it, I guess it begged the question for me, have I lost my fastball with that kind of an audience? Um, can I not go in and command that kind of room anymore? Yeah. And is that okay? And is there something and, and this is where I think we can find like Venn diagram overlap between our two experiences. Is there something like culturally that shifted where that group of people just can't go into a room and listen to somebody for 30 minutes anymore? Like it's just like the they've been rewired or the musculature isn't there anymore. Um, what do you think about that? I think some <laughs> of that is true. You know, the the idea of. Yeah, sitting for 30 minutes, taking notes, whatever. You know, unless there's unless there's like a, a direct payoff, mm-hmm. there will be a test on this. Yeah. If you can answer five questions, you'll get a reward, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So I think some of it is that. I also just, you know, the aging question, though, there's some of it where it's just like kids look at some of us and immediately are like, yeah, not that interested. He's old. Yeah. yeah. Or the selling point is like, Nobody is less impressed that we have written books yeah. than like a 15-year-old. Dude, that's so true because it's they a, don't they don't care. It's a thing they don't even have a they don't even have like a framework for it. You know what I mean? Like 33-year-old pastoral like dudes are are impressed that we write books, but like yeah, yeah 15-year-olds could care less. You're so right. I mean, and it, what speaks to that, dude? And th- this is one that I still can't fathom. Like even at the college where I teach, students are more impressed that I do a podcast than that I've written 30 books. They're like, wow, you have two podcasts. That's amazing. And I'm like, no, it really isn't. Yeah. And one of them is named after me. Yeah. But it's really just like me blathering into a computer for an hour. Like you could do that. You know, like literally anyone could do that. And yet it's the thing that they choose to be impressed about. And that that to me seems like fundamentally rewiring somebody at a certain level. Um, So it begs the question, what would that group of people listen to? You know what I mean? What would engage that kind of an audience? And I'm not like hurt over it. Like I'm I'm not sad. I'm just, I'm curious as like a student of culture, like what would fly with that audience? Because I think the, the guy that booked me for the gig was really happy. I hope, you know, and I think he thinks that I did a good job and, we certainly enjoyed our time together, but there was no great sense of like, oh my gosh, you really connected with our student body. You know, they were loving it. In fact, the one time that I did connect, I did a breakout session on the 10 minute version of Taylor Swift's All Too Well. And it was attended by like 110 people and jammed into a room, like asking questions. And that part like really went over, but that, that seemed like an accident almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. When it, I wonder, so yeah, obviously adults are terrible at remembering what it was like to be a teenager in part because the teenage years are essentially like an emotional and mental fog. You know, we, we were so not self-aware in those years that looking back on it, we're like, I don't know what I thought. I don't have any recollection. 
But I can promise you that when I was, you know, 15 to 17 years old, sitting through three gospel oriented messages and yeah. I, you know, like I was a Christian kid. I believe sure. this stuff. I was at church yeah. more than any kid my age. I would have been Bored prone to, to boredom. Yeah. You needed to utterly impress me to suck me in. Yeah. And I was, whereas if you said, if you said, Hey, you have to pick a breakout session. Um, we've got one on Christian <laughs> yeah. competition. We've got one on movies. We've got one on like writing, I, yeah. you know, like all of a sudden my eyes are going to perk up and I'm like, Oh, here are some, here are some things we can, you know, that I, yeah. that I'd be interested in. So there's, because what you're doing is like the way to get in front of high schoolers is be like, here, you already care about this deeply because you're profoundly selfish yeah. and you don't know you're selfish. Yeah. So let's just cater to your, your interests. Yes. And I think that's why the Taylor Swift thing works so well, because in addition to being something that they're predisposed to being interested in, all of her songs are really about them, which is why mm -hmm. she works so well. You know, yeah. the, the songs are about you. This talk could be about you. You're catching people at the most narcissistic point in their lives. High school and college kind of combined. I put those two together. And as a result, it works. But it begs the question, and maybe we're getting too far afield here, but it, it does kind of beg the question... You don't want to pander to the lowest common denominator. So you don't want to go into a room and just say, I'm going to make this talk about you. Um, like there has to be a place for, I want to make much of Christ in this space, right? Like I want to, I want to go into this room and make much of the Lord um, because of what he's done for me. And because he says to, and for a myriad of different reasons, and yet, if you try to do that, chances are it's not going to work. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, man, that's a uh, that's a tough one. I I think where I'm at when, when I go to speak to high school students is I'm really I I just steadfastly refuse to pursue relevance. Yeah, uh, not out of a like. That's a, that's a cheapening of the gospel, but more a matter of like, well, I suck at that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I proved that by not knowing who's on, like, who's the number one artist on Spotify. <laughs> yes. Who's like, okay, yeah. I, I have failed that test. Yeah. Okay. So right. if, if this is a thing that I'm supposed to do, right? what do I have to offer? And the, the one thing, so I think about it and I'm like, the people who I've always gravitated towards mm -hmm. were people who were very obviously themselves. Yeah. Comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. Honest about their own failings. Yeah. And, and therefore trustworthy. Yeah. Like, and I tell you what, you know, teenagers and college students have a profoundly sensitive BS meter. Yeah. So if you go in there trying to impress them, yeah. you either need to be like the coolest kid on the block. Right. Or you're going to bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so like true. pulling out your relevant examples, like, well, you didn't, that didn't go well at all. Whereas if you go in there and you're like, guys, this is just me. I want to talk to you about Jesus and how this has impacted my life and how I've struggled and how I've grown. Those those with ears to hear are going to hear. You know, those yeah. who for whom those who have the slightest interest are going to go, yeah, this is what this is what I needed to hear. And it's it's still discouraging because when you look around and see like people just cashed out, you know, drooling, snoring. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they were going to do that unless you wowed them and if you wowed them you probably weren't giving them what their soul needed anyway you were probably just being super impressive 
Yeah, and it, what was interesting about it was they were the most engaged when I was just straight up storytelling. Like, here's a funny thing that happened at college, or this is how I met my wife, or whatever. And they were kind of awake and hanging on every word. But the minute I like, you know, tried to make some points about a passage of scripture, it was like that. That was when the big glaze over happened. And I mean, maybe it's been that way for since the beginning of time with that age group. It probably has, but. Um, you know. Well, honestly, the only difference between teenagers and adults on that front is that mm-hmm. adults adults have a sense of decorum. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so when they're bored, they still look interested. Right. They've learned like they've sat through enough business meetings and mid-level marketing presentations by their by their buddies yeah. to to pretend interest and politely come up afterwards and say, Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. Which means I'm so glad nothing. this is over. Means nothing yeah, at all. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, the, with adults, you have to look for the people who are like scribbling notes or saying amen or like yeah. frowning at you. I yeah. love the frowners because you're like, well, they're either thinking really hard or I said something that made them mad and I'm going to hear about it shortly, yeah. which I enjoy. So, Dude, yeah, yeah, I mean, you do I get the frowners from time to time. That's, that's oh, I, I like the frowners. They're fun ones. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think the only difference. Yeah, the only difference between teenagers and adults on the like on that front is you you turn it from interesting story to point of the message, mm-hmm. something something Christ centered. Yeah, adults are really good at sort of maintaining a neutral face even when they're like, "And what's for lunch?" You know, yeah. they just sort of yeah. drift into what's next. Yeah, that's true. And yet, like you, I don't know. You and I both resonate with like a really compelling exposition of a text or whatever. And I, I see it in our church. Like our, our guys do a great job of, um, you know, teaching through a passage and, and for the most part, we're, we're kind of hanging on their every word. So it's possible, you know, it's maybe just tougher with a younger audience and, um, you know, we, we probably should set our expectations accordingly, but well, and, yeah. And I think, I think especially with one of the things, I mean, you're parenting teenagers, um, yeah. you know, and, and have been for a few years. I've got yeah. two teenagers now as of today. Yeah. And uh, just realizing everything right now is is modeling clay. Yeah. It's none of this is set. Yeah. And so, it, which is really hard to remember because you see a reaction in the moment. And you're like, this is n- this is not okay. Yeah, you know, you fall yeah. asleep during the sermon, or right. your you know your attitude sucks, or whatever. Yeah, and realizing my job as a parent is mostly to be I'm I'm like the mold. Yeah, it, you yeah. Know? And they they over time you kind of hope that they they learn the mold and go, oh, this is this is respectfulness. This is good listening. This is sure. whatever. And, and so, yeah, what, I mean, I straight up told the high school students during, you know, before my last message, I looked at them and I was like, look, I have no idea if what I said is, is doing anything in you right now. But I remember, I remember things now that I heard at 17 that didn't mean anything to me then, but became true to me later. Yeah. I said, my hope is that this is that. Yeah. So if it's not hitting you now, it'll it, at twenty or twenty seven or thirty seven. Yeah, it takes on life. Yeah, and you're just sort of yeah, it's a planting seeds kind of thing, and hoping that they grow later. Yeah, that's right. And and we know that the word is living and active and can do more than we could ask or imagine. I mean that that that. So there's power in just being in a room and reading it out loud and and trying to explain it. You know, um, but yeah, I mean at that age you're kind of 
showing them how to act and hoping that the heart follows, you know? Um, but yeah, it's hard work, but it's good work. Um, pipe, you posited a second topic for this morning and let's get into it. Um, I'm just going to read your, your text. You said, if we want to get super deep in our own heads, it could be interesting to talk about the ongoing sensation of quote, waiting for things to be normal. It seems like there is a sort of internal desire to get back to 2019 normal. It's been two whole years. And I said, ooh, I like that. And I think I think we need to frame it such that, I mean, this <laughs> our listenership is sort of like a congregation in that there are going to be people who are for sure going to be mad if we're too flip about COVID. And then there are people that are going to be mad if we're not flip enough about COVID and So rather than making this about that, um, I think there's some like contextualization that happens in that where I live, and I want to hear you on this because I haven't, like, I honestly haven't been to Nashville in a while. Where I live, it's basically been normal for the past year and a half with the exception of you go into certain places and then you're reminded of Oh yeah, it's not exactly normal. Like last night, yeah. I was ordering food at a place. The lady that was taking my order had a mask on and I just couldn't understand what she was saying based in part on like her mumbling and in part on me not being able to read her lips like I normally would at a place like that. And it, the result was me saying, come again a couple of times until I was able to understand her. But by and large, for the past year and a half, things have been normal here and like... It hasn't looked like a like a like an epidemic movie from the nineties. Like it hasn't yeah. looked like Contagion or you know one of one of those movies. Um, so what has it looked like for you, and what so, do you mean by a desire to get back to normal? Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think um, I'm actually thinking more like psychologically than circumstantially. Okay. I think by and large, most I mean. Yes, you get on social media and you see the people who are still, mm-hmm. you know, panicked one way or the other about sure. mask mandates. I, sure. That's not it. I, yeah. At some level, all of that matters. And at some level, I could not care less. Just right. whatever. Yeah. That's not what we're here to talk about. I'm talking about. So, for example, let's mm-hmm. let's take I, I was on a, I was on a call with a with two two couples who lead small groups at our church last night. Yeah. And. It's been a it's been a challenging year because, you know, there's enough sickness and unevenness and kids in and out of school that yeah. they're like, hey, we just don't feel like we've been able to do this consistently. So they needed yeah. some encouragement. We needed to talk through how to do this. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, and so I'm not projecting anything on them. They were just, how do we be good leaders? Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking if only we could get back to the way it was in 2019, where you can say we're gonna meet on every Every Saturday night at 7 p.m. and yeah. the first and third sets are going to be with kids. The second and fourth are going to be without kids. Sure. You know, and just kind of put stuff on a calendar and do it. Yeah. That's all off the table right now. Yeah. You know, no. everything is sort of fluid. Everything is reactive <clears throat> because it's like, oh, everything changed, you know. Yeah. That that's the stuff that I'm talking about. So it's less about like yeah. living in an apocalypse and more just kind of a when are <laughs> yeah. we going to get back to that versus like Maybe we just make peace with the fact that everything's just a little bit less stable than than we thought it was then. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's more the mindset of it than the than the like when are all the restrictions gonna lift? Because sure. 
Yeah. Because I a we have no control. B it like just you depends said, where at you least, live. At least where yeah. At least where we live, that's fairly non restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um. No, that's a really good distinction, and I think it maybe it speaks to something in the human heart vis a vis just level of commitment in general. Um. Yeah, because you're right. There's something about it that it almost feels like Michigan in the wintertime, but just all year round in the sense that you make a plan, you hold it with a loose hand because the likelihood of there being an ice storm or a snowstorm is so high that like your Super Bowl party is probably going to cancel, <laughs> you know, or like your the birthday party that you want to throw for a friend probably going to get canceled. And it's like everything is like that now. You know, and it's it's everybody kind of instituting their own framework of my kid has a sniffle, so we're not coming or my kids on death's door. So we're not coming or any point in between that. Yeah, or I don't feel like coming, so I'm going to say we were exposed to covid because you can be 100 percent sure you were because you live and go places. It's the know, ultimate like trump card. Like it's like a new it's a it's a new trump card for people to play who don't want to do things, right? Yeah. Um, it's well I mean it's it's a little bit like having a newborn baby. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that like when you, or really any kid under the age of like I don't know, 3. Yeah, yeah you can you always can be always like, use your kid to be like right. rough day with the kid can't make it. Yeah, exactly. Like, to anything. Yeah, totally. And and I remember at that time feeling like Oh, there's great power in this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's this is really and freedom. Yeah, and I feel bad for leveraging my kid who's a year and a half, but like on another on another level I feel excited about this. It's giving me another card to play, you know. Um so yeah, in the church business which you are in and I'm kind of in I'm in a similar business in that I'm in the college business, we're both requiring things of people. But it's become exponentially harder to require anything of anybody, you know, Um, like, for example, the big journalism conference that I used to always take my students to every year. And it was always this kind of fun, galvanizing, like team building. We're all piling in a van and driving to some crappy college town in the Mid-South and having, you know, a bunch of a bunch of ha-has and meals out and stuff. It was always really fun. But for the last two years, we haven't done it. And this year they canceled again. And it's just sort of like, are we ever going to do this again? You know, and the answer is probably not, you know, because I think a lot of things that we used to do, people are just realizing, oh, it's easier not to do that. You know, it's easier not to book like a ballroom in a hotel and try to get a bunch of speakers and try to figure out meals. And if we do it all, quote unquote, virtually, it's going to suck. Two thirds of the people that would have come aren't going to show up anyway, but it's going to be way cheaper and, and, and way we easier. Can't, yeah, but we can't really charge a lot of money for that because yeah. it's, it, you know, unless it's like $13.99 and, and you get total <laughs> access and it's yeah. basically like a month long subscription or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think that's 100% true. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, in the church world, we just, I don't, I can't speak for, I can't speak for, for most other churches, but like yeah. tons of new people, partly that's being in Nashville, people sure. move here all the time, but it just, it feels so fluid. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're on the front end of some significant long-term planning for the church with some fundraising in a new building and like yeah. trying to pin down who are our core people. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are our numbers? Yeah. You know, we can look at numbers. We're like, I don't know what these numbers mean because it's different people every week. Yeah. There's just, there really is a, an, a total be, I guess I would say this being committed to something means something very different than it did two years ago. And even then it meant something different than it did 10 years ago. Yeah. That's very so true. I think, I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about mm-hmm. in sort of the mindset is like, when do we, as the ones who are planning stuff, leading stuff, kind of yeah. adjust and go, the norm is we might have a third of the people. We might have a hundred percent of the people. It might be a third yeah. that we didn't anticipate. Like I get this, you know, so you, you, you go speak places and mm-hmm. anytime I get invited to go speak, I kind of ask some questions, just who all is going to be there? Like what yeah. are the demographics? Who am I talking to? What do I need right, to know right, about right. these people? Yeah. Uh, how many people do you anticipate? Like, is this going to yeah. be 40 people in a room? Cause you speak very differently to a room of 20 than 200 totally. or, you know, 800 or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and the answers have changed. Right. Two right. years ago, the answers were, you know, we're a church of 800 people. We would, we, it's a men's conference. We would anticipate 70 to 80 men. Yeah. Um, they're going to be this class of people, this education level, whatever. Yeah. Now it's like signups are lagging, might see a big spike, not totally sure. We put the word out to the community, <laughs> yeah. haven't seen a great response from other churches. Right. Uh, could be 20, could be 80. Yeah. Really, you know, just kind of a shrug. Yeah. No, that's so true, dude. That's so very, very true. So I, I have two comments on this. One, we do lead a small group at our church and we had, we had a meeting, what's today, Friday. So we met two nights ago and it was at our house. It was the biggest group we've ever had. People were like starving for it, you know? So they just come through this month and a half of like holidays and travel and kind of everybody getting COVID and, you know, getting better. And they were just basically like, it's so good to see you guys and talk and pray and do the things that are life-giving about being a part of a church, like having friends and praying together and sharing parts of our lives with each other. It just felt really good to be doing that. Um, And I think you you never want to be in the business of saying what makes somebody happy, (laughs) but I think it made all of us feel really happy. Um, and I was thankful for it. I think but you can then, be in the business of what makes people happy if you have a grounded reason for it. Like sure. community like that, <laughs> that's yeah, it's life. That's like baked. That's like baked into what we're supposed to find happiness in. Well, absolutely. But then, like consuming items of pop culture, like you know, watching shows in the evening with ads. All of the ads are sort of, I'm at home and I'm so happy. You know, like I'm ordering my. DoorDash meal. I'm paying, you know, $74 for a Big Mac and fries. And I'm, you know, doing yoga on a little mat in my little hipster apartment. And the the DoorDash guy leaves my food on the on the step. And oh my gosh, I'm so happy. You know, and it's like we are being sort of groomed for this. You know, we're being groomed and coached into I'm doing my workout alone. I'm eating my sad hamburger alone. They're trying to make it look happy, but but you know in your core that it's just soul crushingly sad. But it's being pretty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I laugh because it's true, not because it's funny. Yeah. So like doing a 
doing the 73rd straight workout on your Peloton by yourself is sort of achingly sad. Um, but it's being presented as like apex. Mountain. Also, the amount you paid for that Peloton is achingly sad. <laughs> exactly. Issue. Right. And, and yet like we're, we're, we're culturally sort of being coached into this. And it's like, I think, I think what you're communicating with your text was that we thought that the, the industries that shape us would have like let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit on that stuff. And there seems to be a doubling down on it and it's changing how people do things, you know? Yeah. I definitely think that's part of it. I also think that there is a, you know, it's boy, there's, there's a handful of layers to this. Some of it is an age thing. I'm wondering if I'm reaching the age where things used to be is just better than what they are now in my own head. Yeah. Fictitious, factual misrepresentation. So the idea, it's easier to look back and go, man, remember the days when, and being that I'm like to kind of go, where are we now? How do we adjust to this? I'm five or six years older than you, and I can say definitively that I am there. So yeah, you so you I'm, may be I'm, like creeping I'm arriving. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so and then and then the so then the, uh, the there's that aspect. There's the like how idealistic is it versus how realistic? Like is it yeah. is it should I should I be lowering my expectations and be like this is the new normal? The new normal is which is it I. I, whatever yeah, that phrase means, I get it. Is is adjusting to people have a lower commitment threshold, less will. It takes a lot more to get people to show up anywhere. Okay, yeah. that's just how it is. How do we adjust to that? Or do we keep the ball where it was and basically feel kind of perpetually like we're failing? All or right, perpetually so, like, man, we, we're just. It's not as good as it was. We can't get there. We're not arriving. The numbers aren't the same. Whatever the measurements are. Here's a weird thing, and tell me if you track with this. So, like, so much of what we're experiencing today is very, like, Jetsonian and was idealized in cartoons and stuff when we were growing up, right? So, like, even watching old Batman episodes and like the from the 60s or whatever and watching them on reruns or watching the Jetsons... It was this exercise in seeing people like cloistered in their homes. They were video conferencing with each other. They were like pressing a button and then like a meal would appear. And by and large, Piper, that's the life that we're living in 2022. And yet people are achingly sad and lonely and at each other's throats all the time. So there's an aspect of it that like is definitively not working. And you'll get people that die on the hill of, oh, it is working. And in fact, it's what we need to be doing. Whatever. I don't want to have that argument. But it's like. Well, yeah, that it, it, it's working if your goal is a very specific outcome. Like that's right. if you if you want to, to cease the spread of all germs, yes, human contact should be cut off entirely. Then germs right. can't spread. But even but the sort also of. Also, humanity then dies. Even the Jetsonian dream of like video conferencing and pressing a button and having food appear or even like having like a Roomba, you know, the robot that like vacuums your, your floor. We have all that now. And I think it's, it doesn't feel as cool as we thought it would feel, you know? And in fact, there's this real push into let's get back to the way things were. I don't know. I just find it fascinating. And I, I don't know that there's like big answers to be drawn out from this other than, I mean, I'm look at Ronnie. Like he's selling tapes. He's selling like 
cassette tapes, which were yeah. quantifiably crappy. And owning cassette tapes was an exercise in like doing that thing with a pencil or your little finger to like rewind them. And yet like we're now they're being sold for kind of ironic hipster value. It's just fascinating, you know, that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and when it comes to stuff like that, like that's, it's out, I think that's, it's outside the realm of like an actual human thing flourishing. That that's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's fun. You know, it's an affinity. It, it's a fun novel thing. Yeah. yeah. People have always kind of, you know, there's a reason why people still sail boats instead of yeah. riding speed boats because that's a great analogy. The way of doing that was fun. It is yeah, fun right. for people. So, you know, that kind of stuff I get. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're right. I don't know that there are definitive answers. Mm-hmm. I do think there probably are some, some kind of quantitative or qualitative, mo- almost moral statements you can make that like we have lost the habit of committing to things. Yes. And it's a problem. It, yeah. We we need to learn how to recommit to to friendships, to church, to these kinds of things and and if if a a covid influenced world is the norm, mm-hmm. at some point we kind of need to say okay, well commitment still needs to exist because it it, yeah. it it is greater it is a greater risk to be decommitted than it is to be you know potentially exposed to something by yes. and large and somebody you know please save the hate mail i'm talking cumulatively across the entirety of <laughs> yeah. the world not you and your particular situation yeah. and whatever exceptions exist no i i get what you're saying 100% and i agree with it but yeah it's the kind of thing that somebody will get very mad about you know um, and in part because I think we've been exercising our getting mad muscles way more than our like committing to things muscles and, <laughs> and our being gracious muscles. That's right. Know? And we probably need a reset, like in, in terms of some of those ways of doing things, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're putting in more reps every day, being outraged than like, I don't know, loving your local church and committing to even just pray for people and be in the word, then yeah, the outcome is going to be, it's going to look a certain way, you know? Um, and it's not going to look super attractive, but yet that's the very thing that we've been really training for. We've been training for like a conflict half marathon that like many of us will never actually have. Like you wouldn't say 95% of those things in real life to somebody's face, but (laughs) <laughs> we're we're in a sense we're like we're getting all these reps in training for a thing that we'll never have the balls to do you know um it's just sad man i mean it's 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 really kind of sad and that's a downbeat note to end the show on <laughs> um well, it's, I don't know. it's but it's so it's so eminently solvable yeah you know, yeah. it, it, it feels like we're caught up in something but if you just pause like individually you pause you go oh i'm not caught up in anything yeah, I right. can text a friend and go, you want to come over for dinner tonight or, yeah. you know, let's get our families together or let's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like you can I'm going to, you know, not watch church in my pajamas and eat waffles, but rather like get dressed and go to church. And right. like you it's it is such a and the thing is that's setting aside the whole conflict piece. It's just sort of reengaging with humanity. And when you do that, the conflict diminishes. It is yeah. so hard to be mean to somebody who you're sitting with. Yeah. It is so easy to be mean to somebody on the other side of a keyboard. Sure. Yeah, so no, that's like, a great point. 
mean, <laughs> that's the part that baffles me is like, there's all this, this is a massive problem, conflict, we're more divided than ever. Yes, 100%. Yeah. All of that is true. <laughs> and it's so, so easy to solve yeah. at the level of, well, I'm just, I'm going to do a different thing instead of tweeting yeah. angry stuff or fa- Facebooking angry stuff or yeah. TikToking angry stuff. I'm going to go get coffee with somebody. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, yeah, it's much needed. And and yet it's an unpopular opinion in, in many circles. So, yeah, navigating that well, I mean, maybe to our first topic, that will be a part of us aging well, because I think there's a there's an impulse in me to kind of want to harumph and, you know, be the cranky old person. But like in a good way, life requires me to not be that yet, you know, and I need to probably stack a couple more decades of not quite being that person yet, you know, and in fact, being effective in the classroom and effective in ministry, it it sort of precludes me being that kind of person, you know, so it's the thing is like it being being the grumpy old man, you, you can do that humorously. Right. I think you and I both kind of carry that persona with us, yeah. you know, but while also genuinely enjoying human company, like you, the yeah. way you talk about your students is not like these bunch of idiots. You're like, oh, I love it, man. I love you, it. You like being with students. You yeah. like speaking to people. You like being yeah. together. Like the way you totally. talk about your small group, like none of this is grumpy old man. Right. That's true. That's true. And that's encouraging. Um, Piper, I hope none of this show has been grumpy old man. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's actually both things are things that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So I'm glad you brought them up. I'm glad we talked about it. Hopefully people liked it. Check out Redbud Coffee. Um, they are our coffee sponsors still. Still making great coffee. Still helping the world in some form or fashion, although I don't know how. Um, a portion but- <laughs> of all their proceeds goes to an organization that fights sex trafficking. So, hey, there we go. And they have information on their website. You go to redbudcoffee.com. You can see it. Um, so it's just, it's just a partnership between them and that organization to support a super valuable cause. Also, dude, I love the new happy rent merch that we yes. got. Um, I'm wearing my happy rent shirt right now. It's very comfortable. Dude, those shirts are super comfy. I wore one the other night for the first time and it was uh, it was a hit. It was a big hit. I used my, my happy rent tote at Aldi the other day because really? I don't like paying for bags. Dude, that's and, so uh, fantastic. You're such a middle-aged great. lady. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I have, I'm no longer a grumpy old man. I'm now a, yeah. I'm now just a grumpy old lady. Welcome uh, to motherhood pipe. If we can yeah. get you on Marco Polo, you're, you're ready to be a mom for sure. Well, I, I will. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I'm not the, like, this isn't whole foods, bring your own bags or I'm trying to yeah. save the world. This is, I'm not spending 10 cents on a paper bag. Totally. What do they think I am made of money? Exactly. That it's more that attitude. Oh, I like it. While shopping like at Aldi. It. Either way, it's a great attitude. We, you know what we need to do? We need to do a whole app on Aldi at some point. I'm fascinated by Aldi. I'm a huge okay. fan. Um, Put it I on really, my list right now. Yeah, I really enjoy the Aldi experience. And I would be curious if Ronald would agree with us or disagree because he kind of likes to be the elitist and he enjoys paying like $94 didn't, for a bag didn't of... Didn't he tell us in a recent episode that he loves grocery shopping? He did tell us that. And so I feel like he would have... He might have a take on this one way yeah, or the other. Yeah, I feel like he would have a, a strong opinion of, you know, in, yeah. in Ronnie's version of strong opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which for most people would be like a super tepid opinion. But yeah, um, but yeah, I bet we could get him to say something about Aldi. And, and 
let's do this by way of closure to this app. Let's do like a DraftKings, like how you're how you're betting that that goes. For me, I think he's going to do some sniffy, eye rolly like I've literally never darkened the door of an Aldi, and I never would. I think that's going to be his take on it. What do you think? It's either that or he's going to be like, dude, dude, I live in a small. We don't have Aldi here. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. They haven't made their way from Germany to central Ohio. Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I Or it'll be like, baby, yeah, I grew up going to a – in SoCali, man, in the Valley, I grew up going to an Aldi. My mom would throw us into the Ford Fairlane, and, you know, we went there every week, baby. Good memories of Aldi. You I, know, it might be that. I Yeah, I don't, I don't see him being positive about Aldi because I, I feel like yeah. Aldi is a budget store. Yeah. And and Ronnie, I mean, he doesn't. He strikes me as a man of who who looks for things of quality, not yeah. things of save fifty cents on a jar of spaghetti sauce. Yeah, um, I don't want to step on our Aldi app because there there are things that I could say to that. But um, Pipe, this has been fun. We've we've done what we always do, including we, pl- one, planning. One last thing, listeners. Yeah. We we talked about our merch. If you go to thehappyrant.com, dot com, you can find all you can find all of that. There's Shirts, notebooks, bags, fanny packs. So if you would like to ironically or unironically buy a Happy Rant fanny pack, those are there. And uh, yeah, so thehappyrant.com, it's all there. Go check that out. High quality gear too. We love it. Pipe, we've done what we always do. We've wandered to and fro throughout a couple of topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.